Hello and welcome to episode 19 of McCabe Kerwood's Trial by Podcast series. Today we're bringing you another COVID-19 podcast to keep you updated with what you need to know on the legal front. This episode will be covering key features of the JobKeeper Wage Subsidy Scheme, which was passed by Federal Parliament earlier this month. My name is Liliana Freeman and I'm a lawyer in McCabe Kerwood's Employment Group. I'm joined today by my colleague Kate Stoudy. Hello and welcome. As we talk today, you'll notice Kate's lovely South African accent. She has over 10 years' experience in workplace relations law in South Africa and the UK and has now been recently admitted as a lawyer in New South Wales. Thank you for the introduction, Bill. This certainly is an interesting time to be working in the employment space, and I'm excited to talk through these recent changes in the legislation. So the JobKeeper Wage Subsidy Scheme has dominated the media in recent weeks as Australian businesses grapple with the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. As I briefly touched on, the Coronavirus Economic Response Package Omnibus, Measures Number 2 Bill, has now been passed by Parliament. So Kate, to begin, can you provide us with an overview of the scheme? The $130 billion wage subsidy package allows eligible employers who have been impacted by COVID-19 pandemic to receive a JobKeeper payment of $1,500 a fortnight before tax to keep each qualifying worker employed for the next six months. In addition to receiving the $1,500 payment per employee, the scheme amends the Fair Work Act to give greater flexibility to employers to manage its workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. The overriding purpose of the scheme is to keep employees in jobs and avoid redundancies. So you mentioned that employers have to be eligible to receive the subsidy and employees must also qualify? That's right. For an employer to be eligible, it must show a 30% drop in revenue from last year if its turnover is less than $1 billion, or a 50% drop in revenue if its turnover is above $1 billion. For employees to qualify for the scheme, they must be an Australian citizen, permanent resident or on a special category subclass triple four visa and over the age of 16 and have been employed, importantly, on the 1st of March 2020 on either a full-time or part-time basis or on a casual basis for more than a year. Self-employed workers may also qualify. So the burning question most employers and workers have is how will the payment actually work? Do all qualifying employees effectively receive the $1,500 per fortnight? It's firstly important to note that the $1,500 goes to the employer to subsidize the wages of the employee. It doesn't go directly to the employee. So does it matter how much the employer was paid previously? Well, if an employee was previously earning more than $1,500 a fortnight, they must receive the same rate of pay. This means that the employee's hours would need to be reduced to the pro rata equivalent of $1,500 a fortnight if the employer cannot afford to pay the employee anything more. However, if the employer can afford it, it can keep the employee working their usual hours and top up the $1,500 payment to match the employee's normal earnings. This is known as the minimum payment guarantee. That makes sense. So employees must receive the greater of either the $1,500 JobKeeper payment or amounts payable to the employee for the work performed during the fortnight. So what does it mean for employees who are earning less than $1,500 a fortnight? Lil, the same rules apply. So in this case, employees would still be entitled to receive the full $1,500 a fortnight. 
So it seems from what we've just covered here that there appears to be winners and losers. The most obvious winner would be employees who were earning less than $1,500 a fortnight who would still be entitled to receive that amount. That's right. This is likely to be the case for many part-time and casual workers. Some may consider this to be quite unfair as it means some workers are better off under the scheme than before. But it is important to remember that the main purpose of the scheme is economic stimulus. It's hoped that workers who have benefited will in turn put the money back into the economy. That's true. And as for the losers or those who have missed out, it seems that short-term casual workers, being those who have not been employed for a year, and certain visa workers will also not qualify. Banks, government agencies and local councils are also not eligible for the scheme. Now that we've gone through how the $1,500 payments will work, let's move on to the changes to the Fair Work Act. I'll hand you over to Lil to give us a brief overview. So in essence, there are three main changes to the Fair Work Act. The first are the new stand-down provisions, which allow employers to direct workers to reduce their days and hours of work, including reducing their hours to nil, if the employee cannot be usefully employed for their normal days or hours because of changes to the business attributable to the COVID-19 pandemic. So, for example, retail workers may be directed to stand down because of less patronage and closing of stores. What happens if an employee is directed to stand down, either in part or full? So the minimum payment guarantee, which you just touched on, would apply. So the employee must receive at least $1,500 a fortnight, even if there is no work to do. However, during a stand-down period, the employee may ask their employer for their consent to permit the employee to take up secondary employment or to receive training or professional development. I'd just like to point out that these new stand-down provisions differ from the existing stand-down provisions under Section 524 of the Fair Work Act. For those not familiar with Section 524, employers would only be able to stand down employees without pay if the employee cannot be usefully employed for a period due to industrial action, breakage of machinery, or because there has been a stoppage of work for reasons outside the employer's control. It does not allow employers to stand down employees because there has been a reduction in business revenue, as many businesses have experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic, or only partially stand down employees. You can see that the new stand down provisions are much broader in scope than Section 524, which gives greater flexibility to the employer. This amendment was needed as the Fair Work Act did not assist in circumstances outside those limited grounds of Section 524. Thanks for that, Kate. So moving on to the second change to the Fair Work Act, employers can now direct workers to alter their normal duties and change their location of work, including working from home. So the new duties must be within the employee's skill and competence and the new work location must be suitable for the employee's duties. For example, a retail worker may be directed to work in the employer's warehouse packing online orders instead of assisting in the shop front due to a closure of the store. How can these directions be given? So the directions may only be given if the employer reasonably believes that giving the direction is necessary to maintain the employment of the employee, meaning that without issuing the direction, the employee would have to be made redundant. The direction must also not be unreasonable and the employer must consult with the employee prior to giving the direction. And what about the third change? Well, the third change now allows employers to request workers to change their days or times of work and to take their accrued annual leave, 
which includes taking annual leave at half pay for double the period. Given that employers may make a request, does this mean that employees can say no? So employees must consider any such request and also must not unreasonably refuse a request. So unless there are compelling reasons, the employee is expected to agree to the request. So before we wrap up, it is evident that disagreements between employers and employees may arise under this scheme, particularly if an employee does not agree to a direction or request. Kate, can you run us through what support is available? So, Lil, either party may apply to the Fair Work Commission to resolve the dispute. If the dispute concerns an employer misusing a direction or not complying with the minimum payment guarantee, it may also be liable to civil penalties if it was ultimately found to have contravened the Fair Work Act. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. We hope you found this episode insightful. If you have any questions about the JobKeeper scheme and what it means for you, please find us on our website, www.mccabecurwood.com.au. Thank you and take care, everyone.